you're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Chelsea. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Sarah. Hey, it's Amanda. And today we are talking about the case of baby Allison Doe from 2003. And just a little heads up, um, this is a case that involves a child that was murdered. Um, and it does have some graphic content in it. So if that's not for you, then you might want to skip this one and check back with us next week. So in the afternoon of December 31st, 2003, a group of children from the Sycamore Amish schoolhouse were taking trash to a burn barrel. What the heck is this? Like, why is our burn barrel on school and why are kids allowed to be near it? All I can say is they were Amish, so I'm not not 100% sure. I know our school didn't have a burn barrel and we lived in the country. It was something that they did after school every day, but today something was different than every other day. The children noticed something other than trash inside the burn barrel and immediately extinguished the flames. When they stepped closer to see what was inside, they found a plastic bag that was stained with bright red blood. The authorities were notified, but no one was prepared for what the bag contained. So if it is bright red blood, it would have been fairly recent blood right because i'm thinking like if you think about when blood dries even you know on a scab when a scab dry it gets that darker red so just random you know thought it just had to be really recent that that was put in there as the police carefully peeled back the red stained plastic a full-term newborn baby girl was revealed inside The umbilical cord was still attached and her tiny little throat was slit, signifying she didn't have a chance in this world. She had been wrapped in a white plastic bag with a pair of women's blood-soaked underwear and placed in the burn barrel like a piece of trash. The Emmy determined that she was only days old, estimating that she was born between the 24th and the 27th of that month. She was Caucasian, she weighed 6 pounds, had brown hair, and blue eyes. So... Was there DNA available from the woman's underwear, or do we know if it was ever tested? There is DNA, and it's in CODIS. However, it's not specified whether or not it was the baby's DNA or the blood that was found in the bag. I'm assuming both. Okay. Now, when I think about it, I would think that it would have to be someone who was familiar that there was a burn barrel, or is this just like common knowledge or common place for Amish schools? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I have no idea if it's common. I mean, burning trash in the country is kind of common. So maybe it's just, you know, Lancaster County is mostly country. So it could be that. The discovery was all over the news and a local man dubbed her Baby Allison Doe. Police received a tip almost immediately after the news broke from an employee at the local Turkey Hill mini market on North Decatur Street which is also known as Route 896. A mere four miles away, he reported that he had seen a large amount of blood in a trash can on December 26th. Now, it makes it seem that he only reported it after the baby was found. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. He saw that there was a baby on the news and that was murdered, and so then it kind of dawned on him. I'm just confused because if you find that much blood, wouldn't you, like, kind of report that? 
I mean, maybe we're looking at it with hindsight, though. Yeah. And he's a man. So, like, how does he know, like, how much during that time of the month, you know, like maybe it didn't sink into him if he was young or like he just didn't know that, like, that's an abnormal amount of blood. That's true. And I'm curious, too. I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't like a pool of blood. Like, was it blood soaked? like paper towels or clothing or i mean i know a lot of the clothing was in the burn barrel but do we know what this large amount of blood in the trash can was like how it was presented or was it just a big glob of blood all it said was that he there was a lot of blood in the woman's trash can um and that he believed that it had to be from this baby that was found. Um, and they feel that she made her way into this world and quickly out of the world at this woman's restroom stall that day. Unfortunately, the trash was taken out and police had no evidence to compare that baby Allison to confirm that it was actually hers. However, police combed through credit card receipts in hopes of finding something or someone who knew something or heard something that day. I'm wondering why the mother would have gone to a convenience store. Uh, Maybe she lived with her parents and they didn't know she was pregnant. I mean, why would that be where you would go if you were in labor? Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm curious, too. Do we know if the bathrooms were inside or outside of the convenience Mm -hmm. store? Like, I know most of the time now they're inside. I'm thinking in 2003, they probably would have been inside. But where I grew up, there was a gas station at one end of town and you had to like go around the back of the building to get into the bathroom. So do we know um, like what that situation was or if they were on the inside, do we know if there was any surveillance footage that could pick up whoever this was? So it wasn't reported if there was CCTV um, available, like the police haven't actually release that information. So I'm assuming there was, I mean, it's 2003. So I I would think that there is, and maybe they're just not releasing to the public. And I'm also assuming that the bathroom is inside because I don't think I've been to a Turkey Hill that had one outside that I can recall, but I, I could be wrong. Um, and as for her giving birth in the bathroom, it kind of makes me lean towards that. It was a place of convenience because like, if it was planned, you wouldn't, want to have them in the bathroom. Like the whole situation to me screams that it was like panic. If you're going to hide a pregnancy from somebody or some, someone specifically, wouldn't you do it somewhere where like they couldn't hear you scream? Cause like childbirth is no joke and you don't want to draw more attention if you're trying to cover it up. So that kind of leads into the theory that the mother was young, maybe in her teens and probably from the area, definitely not in the right frame of mind to have a baby. And she would have given birth in the restroom, possibly with a friend or someone that had a vehicle since she wasn't able to drive afterwards. Um, they then drove from Turkey Hill to this burn barrel behind the Amish school to depose, dispose of baby Allison. Now, my thing is like having a baby is like not that easy. I mean. It was a six pound baby and maybe that isn't big to some. My son was less than two pounds and I still had ripping when I had my son. Um, there's also possible complications like extra bleeding. Like 
You think it's possible that maybe she went to a doctor for help? I mean, I don't know. It's not like a five minute thing. Like the baby just pops out like pregnancy um, contractions can last. I don't know. It just, it's crazy to me that she was able to just have a baby in a bathroom and be done with it. Like she had to have some sort of like post birth care, right? I mean, something. Someone would have to notice something, I would think. Yeah. You would think someone noticed it. Maybe not the the post-care, because, I mean, like, they don't really do much afterwards. Just make sure that you're not bleeding, like, extreme. But, I mean, you still bleed for weeks after. So, I mean, I don't know if you would really... I would assume that if you're trying to hide it that they wouldn't get post-care. Well, and the umbilical cord was still attached. Like, that's going to cause medical issues for the mother if it's not treated. Like, where'd the placenta go? Not if they deliver the placenta. But where would it be? Like, oh, that's if true. it's not with the baby, if it's not at Turkey Hill, it's got to be somewhere. Uh, it didn't actually say where if, like, the placenta was found in the bag. So I would be curious to know if it was um, or if maybe that's what he saw in the bathroom that's true the trash was thrown out i think you would yeah i would think that you would pick pick that up like i mean that's not something to easily dismiss if you've ever seen one in person but also if you're trying to hide it why would you put it in the trash can in turkey hill like even if you put stuff on top of it i i don't know why wouldn't you put it in the burn barrel with and they might have and they might have and it's just not it wasn't documented in anything that it was there so or it had burned already maybe that's possible too because they did say that they lit the fire so who knows i mean oh that's true mm -hmm. yeah how much of it actually was burned so it's possible due to the proximity of being a well-traveled road for tourists that the mother could have been from out of town as well do we know where exactly this burn barrel was? Um, like, was it in a location that you needed to know the area to find it? Was it fairly accessible? Um, just kind of trying to think how well someone from out of the area could have found the burn barrel. So if you follow the road that Turkey Hill was on straight and like you go for a little bit and then you would make a, um, a right hand turn and go maybe a mile back there and if you kind of look at it from a map it looks like you're like there's a town and then you leave town and it gets a little bit more remote and then all of a sudden there's like a road that doesn't really have a lot of houses around it and I'm wondering if maybe they just picked a road and that's the one that they turned down because there wasn't a lot of people there country okay so, I mean, it was at least accessible enough that the kids could get to the burn barrel. So it might have just been, like you said, we're in the country. People burn trash all the time. There's got to be a burn barrel somewhere. And it just happened to be the one that this kid. Nope. It happened to be the one that these kids were going to, which had to scar them forever. Seriously. Yeah, it is on a remote road and it's kind of surrounded by trees and fields and stuff. And we'll have a picture of it, like where it's located, so you can get a feel for it. Um, but it is country, so it's... What town was it in? Is Was it considered Lancaster 
or do we know the actual town? I know you said Lancaster County. Strasburg Borough. Okay. Is where the Turkey Hill was. So, Strasburg. This episode of Keystone Cold Cases is sponsored in part by Coco Counseling Center in Hershey, PA, two blocks off of Chocolate Ave. Coco Counseling Center is a Christ-based counseling center specializing in therapy for individuals, couples, and families. Mental health is important to us here at KCC, and great therapists are the first step in seeking treatment for mental health. Coco Counseling Center provides just that. Highly qualified therapists who are real people and who have experienced the real world. For more information about appointments, insurance coverage, and areas of expertise, check out CocoCounselingCenter.com. That's C-O-C-O-A CounselingCenter.com or call 717-298-1366. So investigators have created a DNA profile for the mother and uploaded it to the FBI database. Genetic testing indicated that baby Allison Doe was not likely of Amish origin and not from an incestuous relationship, but was of European descent. Police fielded over 30 tips in the first two years of reports of women who appeared to be or were pregnant, but whose baby never materialized. Most were found to have been miscarriages, and a few of them ended up being given up for adoption. Police believe that whoever it was is afraid to come forward and mention any names, but they assured the public that they would rather chase down a hundred tips that amount to nothing than one person not calling that could amount to something, which still stands true today. The public has mixed feelings about the entire situation, and according to the Lancaster New Era, one woman said she, meaning the mother, was a monster, whoever did it. Another said, I feel really sorry for the mother. She clearly wasn't a rational person, and I think prayers need to be said for her too. Several people write into the editor at the newspaper talking about baby Allison and begging the mother to come forward. So another theory online um, that I found was that it might indicate that the mother was a drug addict. However, without information from the medical examiner, I think it's hard to say yes or no. But between 2005 and 2015, more than 130,000 children were born hooked on drugs. So I think it's definitely a possibility. So did they not test her for drugs in her system or was she too badly burned? Um, Are you just saying these results weren't released to the public? They just weren't released to the public. So another theory, maybe the mother was in an abusive relationship and the baby's father had a hand in this. To kind of piggyback off of this, I was kind of thinking that, um, but I was also thinking maybe the baby wasn't abandoned by the mother's free will, um, kind of relating to some of the quotes that Amanda just gave about the public's perception of everything. Um, I mean, there's definitely got to be something significant that hasn't been revealed, but if it was even any sort of abusive relationship, I mean, maybe she was told like you cannot bring the baby home or for whatever reason um maybe the baby was taken from her or you know i'm not sure um but yeah i feel like there's got to be something big that just isn't public knowledge 
I know they don't always release everything to the public, and I'm sure that they have leads that we'll never know about. Some postings on Reddit seem to think that a man had to be involved, given that the throat was slit versus suffocation or strangulation, which seems to be more common with females killing their kids, which is super sick when you think about it. But um, there was also a posting that this was farmland and that a lot of the people that work on farms know how to slaughter so they basically slaughtered the baby. Which That's is horrifying. Rich. Yeah, it's disgusting. So baby Allison Doe was laid to rest at Conestoga Memorial Park in Lancaster Township on January 13th, 2004. Over 50 mourners from throughout the county came to honor the newborn that they didn't even know, all of which police obtained information in hopes that someone might have had a connection to the newborn. Baby Allison's plot was provided by a local retired paramedic named Lester Kramer. Lester was the one who actually named her baby Allison, and she was named after his eight-year-old daughter who was in a terrible accident on Route 272 in 1983. He actually witnessed it and tried to save her, but he ultimately she, be- she succumbed to her injuries. I need to go cry now. I, I love this man's heart absolutely love his heart but mine is now broken and i'm gonna go cry for about three hours same i know it's sad but like it's amazing that he he couldn't save his daughter so he's like putting this effort into trying to do something that he can maybe change the grave marker was donated by the conestoga memorial park like the owners of it And Charles F. Snyder Funeral Home donated the hearse and a tiny white casket along with all the funeral trappings. She was dressed in a three-piece pink and white outfit with a little hat that had tassels. She was surrounded by toys and letters of love. Lester reported to the Lancaster New Era that he vividly remembers the funeral of baby Allison and visits her grave often. He keeps her grave decorated with figurines of lambs, bears, Mary, and Jesus. He had flyers printed in 2005 and hung them all over the area in hopes of getting information that would lead to an arrest. He said, quote, I'm not going to forget about it. I want people to know about it. I really feel something is going to come about. So I feel like there's one more thing that we need to touch on that's really, really important. Um, and that's Pennsylvania's safe haven law. Under the safe haven law, you can bring a newborn baby up to 28 days old to any Pennsylvania hospital, police station, EMS station, or fire department. As long as the baby is unharmed and not a victim of any crime, you will not be in any trouble, and you can remain 100% anonymous. The baby will be examined by doctors and provide provided with any medical care that is needed. Local CYS will take custody and find them a loving family. For information about Safe Haven, you can call 1-866-921-7233 or visit the Department of Human Services website to find a Safe Haven location by county. And we'll also have a link to that on our website and all social media platforms. Can I ask a question? Why is there a limit for how old it is for drop-off? Do you know? I have no idea. Okay, because I do know that that's like a thing, like you can drop them off, but I never knew that there was like a date frame or how they even figure out if it's 28 days old or just curious. 
Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I know that we have one at our local firehouse, and we had one at our EMS station that I worked at. Um, thankfully, I never dealt with a baby being dropped off, um, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that it, obviously, it's there for a reason if you feel like you can't, um, but I, I honestly don't know why there's a, a date range. I'm guessing just because, you know, you have to set the line somewhere. But isn't it like, don't you want kids to be safe? Like if you set a cap, like do they think their only option is to kill it, abandon it? I don't know. I just don't know I mean, why I there's. I feel like if they're three months old and you drop them off, I, I still don't think that they would. I mean, I can't speak for them because I don't work for for CYS and all that. But I feel like if you dropped them off, even at three months old, like it would still be safer and better for the child in the long run. Like if you can't handle it. Well, and I think there has to be a certain point too, where the anonymity has to go away. And maybe that's what that 28 days is. You know, if, if you give birth and you realize maybe three months in, like, I can't handle this. Well, after three months, that anonymity is gone. So you could still absolutely, you know, go to an adoption agency or a, a foster situation and say, like, I can't do this anymore. Um, but at that point, I think just even having medical records for the child or anything like that, I mean, there has to be... I mean, like Grace said, there has to be that limit somewhere, but I think it's more the anonymity piece um, because if you, you know, keep your child for three months, two years, five years, and then something happens that you can't take care of them anymore for whatever reason, I would think it's just that piece that has to go away. Like you could still go to CYS with a child and say like, I can't do this or whatever. But I mean, I can't imagine like a four year old being brought to the firehouse and someone being like, safe haven law, here's the four year old. Like, no, no, this is this is something beyond what we can do here. So maybe it's just just something with the anonymity of the person dropping the child off. So there is a $2,000 reward that's being offered for any information that leads to an arrest. And if you have any information that will help find the mother of baby Allison Doe, you can call the Pennsylvania State Police Troop J, which is Lancaster, at 717-299-7650. And you can reference case number J, as in Jack, 110078-79. And you can always submit anonymous tips to PA Crime Stoppers online or at their number at one 800 4 pa tips This episode of Keystone Cold Cases is sponsored in part by Tattered Flag Brewery and Stoworks, a veteran-owned and operated business. Specializing in craft beer, spirits, and food, you can get your fill of Tattered Flag online or go to any of their locations. While they always have a consistent delicious menu, the rotating specials are definitely worth the trip. A favorite spot for this KCC host can become a favorite spot for you. Check out Tattered Flag online or in Middletown, Hershey, Gettysburg, or Lancaster today. Hey, it's Chelsea. Hey, it's Amanda. Today, we're going to talk about Hector Ortez Fuentes. Um, in the morning hours of Tuesday, August 11th, 2009, Hector was following his usual morning routine. He woke up early to prepare for work, 
and left his house walking north on North Plum Street to the bus stop. However, Hector didn't know that today was not going to be like every other day. Bang, all of a sudden, a shot rang out, and Hector was shot in the neck and immediately fell to the ground. So who was Hector, and why would someone shoot him on his way to work? Hector was a hardworking dad of three. He was described as a, quote, really good man, and he had no enemies, no drug re- relations, and or anything like that. He worked the first shift at Dark Container Company, which is like a manufacturing company that makes food service um, packaging like cups and plates and straws. His family said that he was the kind of man that went from home to work and work to home unless it was the weekend when he liked to take his kids to the movies and spend time relaxing on his front porch. Hector was divorced, but even his ex-wife was in complete and total shock as to who would hurt him. Now, did he have full custody or was it more just weekends when he spent time with them? It sounds like one of the kids, one of the older kids lived with him and maybe the other two um, lived with the wife, the ex-wife, but it didn't particularly say like what the, the arrangements were. Okay. So a passing motorist called the Lancaster County... A passing motorist called in and Lancaster City Police arrived on the scene to find Hector lying on East Orange Street and North Plum Street's deceased. So I'm confused. If this motorist saw it or passed by and saw that he was hurt, why wouldn't he help? I wonder to think that maybe if he would have helped, maybe applied pressure, he maybe not have passed away. It didn't say if, like, it just said passing motorist. So I don't know if it was someone was passing by, saw it, and did stop, or if they, like, were on their way to work and just said, hey, like, there's a guy laying on the street. I don't know if he's hurt. I'm on my way to work. Maybe you should, like, check it out kind of thing. Okay. Um, So they searched for witnesses, and given the time of day, it was 635 in the morning. Not many people were outside yet. So authorities switched to checking security cameras and securing the footage. One in particular was operated by the Lancaster Community Safety Coalition and happened to be mounted on the southwest corner of the intersection. Well, I have a question mm -hmm. really fast. If they had cameras, did they actually find anything or? So they didn't say if they actually saw the shooting. Um, And later on, I'll talk about they did find footage of somebody who might have witnessed it. So, um, they did release it, but it was nine years later before they released it. I wonder why. I have no idea. Hmm. Um, one of the theories was that, um, it was linked to another murder. So Anthony Charles Suedes, which hopefully I'm not butchering his last name, was murdered at the exact same day, like just an hour before. Anthony, his daughter, and two of his friends were in his apartment when two men broke in through a window. They dragged him out of bed and shot him multiple times in the chest and back, all while his three-year-old daughter and two friends, who happened to be female, watched. Not sure why he had two women and a daughter in his bed, but to each their own. One of the men grabbed a hold of the lady and at gunpoint said, quote, "'Please don't make me come back and kill you and her,' meaning the daughter." The men were later identified as Charlie Jose Riviera Rodriguez and Jose Antonio Montanez. Um, I know it's kind of confusing. Um, 
The motive was because Anthony was telling people that Charlie was a coyote or like in Puerto Rican slang for a snitch. Now, Anthony, the murder victim, had a history of domestic violence in another state and possession of crack cocaine. So this might have had something to do with drugs. The night before Anthony was murdered, Charlie and Jose had robbed a home at gunpoint and they tied up all six people living there and threatened to kill them while they were carrying items out of the house. They had quite the little crime spree for 12 hours. Yes, they did. (laughs) They did. So how does this relate to Hector? Well, this is where things kind of get interesting. Hector's bus stop was only a half a block away from the home of Anthony and directly in the path that Charlie and Jose could have fled. So could they have shot him because Hector saw him fleeing the scene and Anthony's murder? Police arrived at the scene at Anthony's at 5.45 in the morning and Hector's wasn't until 6.35. So if these two men did kill, I mean, they were convicted, they did kill Anthony and it was only a half a block away Could they, like, where were they for an hour? Well, I wonder if they were, if they told the women in the room, like, hey, don't tell anyone or I'll have to come back. Maybe they were watching to see if they did call police um, to see if they would have to come back or if they listened. I don't know, but that's a long time. Yeah, for a half a block, I mean, maybe if it was 10, 15 minutes, I'd say, okay, like they ducked down the corner of an of something, or maybe someone reported that the shots were at 545, but I'm pretty sure the report said that police arrived at 545 and that everything kind of started before that. So unless, um, Hector was killed and laying on the street for 45 minutes, roughly, I don't know if it would be. Oh yeah. Because we don't have an exact time of Death. Yeah, we just have of like when the police called and showed up. So I guess it is possible that he killed him on the way out and no one reported him laying there if they thought he was maybe homeless or something and sleeping. That's another that's another thing, because I know Lancaster, it's Lancaster County, correct? Yeah, Lancaster um, City. Lancaster City. I know that uh, if they, if there are some bad parts. <laughs> so That there is. It's yeah. not all Amish people in Lancaster County. No. <laughs> um, so, of course, the police had to explore that it could have been a robbery gone wrong. Could Hector's murder have been a robbery? It's something that authorities can't 100% roll out. However, Hector still had his lunch, his wallet, and his keys on him. So, I mean, wouldn't you think as far as if you're going as far as killing somebody that you would at least grab something for the trouble? Maybe not the lunchbox because maybe, you know, turkey sandwiches, not your thing. <laughs> but, like, wouldn't you finish it i mean you already went that far well the only thing i can think of is that maybe someone thought he was an easy target but maybe wasn't as easy as they anticipated maybe hector put up way more of a fight and it kind of escalated and the person got flustered um that's the only thing i could think of like maybe they thought that somebody saw them and they took off before they robbed him the rest of the way That's true. I definitely wonder if he had maybe defensive, like, maybe not wounds, but, like, evidence, like, bruised knuckles or anything of fighting back. That's possible. It didn't even say, really, like, how close he was, like, if the gun was against his neck or if he shot him from a little bit of a distance. Now, can you tell that? 
Yeah, because like if it was against the neck, you would have like the burns on the neck. Oh. So, okay. um, but they didn't say anything about that. And you'd have gunpowder closer. Well, um, another question. I haven't heard you say it yet. Did they ever recover the gun? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Not that they reported. And I, I don't think they did. Did, really don't. could they make out the model? Um, I believe they said it was a 22, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. I would have to go back and, and really look cause they didn't release too much of it. And there was really only a few articles because they keep throwing it in with Anthony's case. Oh, I but I that. just, I don't know for that hour. I mean, that's a big lapse in time for a half a block. If it was three blocks away, four blocks away, that might make a little more sense, but I don't, I don't know. So two weeks after the murder, police released a composite sketch of a potential witness. And this is the one that I was talking about was on the video camera. They didn't released the video yet, but the suspect was described as a Hispanic male between the ages of 19 and 21. He was five foot nine or five foot 10 slim build about 140 pounds with brown hair and short black with brown eyes and black short hair. He had a medium olive complexion and was described as being like having super shiny skin. So I'm thinking like, that makes me think of like greasy. (laughs) But I know what they mean, like the olive complexion. So he has a rounded golf ball like cheeks with narrow, sharp, inward, thin neck. And he was last seen wearing a black or charcoal gray three quarter length long sleeve sweater and light with light colored stripes on the cuffs in a black boxy style cap. Uh, I wonder, did this match either of the uh, Jose's that committed the crime? I, I don't believe um both of them one of them was very very fair skinned oh okay um well i have i have another question because i know you have posted photos that i'm looking at right now is this the one sketch (laughs) it is it looks like a kid drew it it's rough it is really rough it is um yeah so we'll have it on our our facebook page um and our website and instagram but the the sketch of this the suspect is it's um it's different. It's definitely it different. Is. And I don't it doesn't oh. even like depict the the golf ball like not at all. Cheeks. It's yeah, it's definitely I wonder if they could have that redone. Do we know anyone <laughs> that could redo this cuz it needs help? It does. It does. Um 9 years after the Lancaster Police Department did release a video of that witness and um they were hoping that it would generate an ID of the man so that they can question him. They think he witnessed it. They don't know if they're really saying like, Hey, he might've done this, but he, in the video, which we'll also have on our website, he is walking very casually to have just maybe shot someone in the neck. Um, but all of this, let me get back. (laughs) All this came after somebody re-reported seeing someone that matched the description I just said in the area a few times and police believe that the guy does live in the area. So the video is the man walking on North Plum Street just prior to the shooting. So he wasn't on the same block, but they didn't say if he was actually on the same block at some point. Okay. And that's kind of all we had. There's been really no leads or updates on the case or really anything else. I wonder if his family follows up with, like, the police department or 
Yes. I feel like, I feel like sometimes they don't have like fire to cases because people are not pushing or asking. There's not enough attention, which is sad. It is. It is. They seem to be pretty active in it. I mean, his daughter released a message in 2018 for the man that murdered her father. And, um, it said, quote, when you kill someone, you're not just affecting the person, but so many others as well. Did you ever consider that he had a family who loved him, a family who is hurting every day because of what you did? I hope you see this and do the decent thing and come forward. Which is heartbreaking because... It really is. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that somebody that's capable of murder isn't going to do the decent thing and come forward, no matter how much you hope, wish, and pray. So that's why we need the public to lend a hand in helping to identify this mystery man that is so desperately needed for questioning. All the photos and the link to the video released by the the police will be on our website, and we hope that we can share it on social media and get the word out. If you or anyone you know has any information that may aid in this case, you can contact Detective Kurt Miller at 717-735-1780 or Lancaster County Crime Stoppers at 800-322-1913. And you can also text um, a tip to PA Crime Stoppers at 847-411. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember to never reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any information. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Amanda. Find all our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance by Darren Makins. Please join us next week for another case to sleuth out. 